know, with uh, Caleb and Caitlin doing their internship with us and loving the Lord with us, worshiping with us, we had to throw something in here like today, so they've got the flexibility issue, right? You know, from, uh, <laughs> it's uh, worship unplugged, right? <laughs> How many of you love the Lord in the uh, 60s or 70s or even the 80s? Does this kind of remind you of the, yeah, 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 <laughs> it'll, it'll throw back there, you know, kind of thing. Well, we're glad that you're here today, and I'm glad you're here today for the kickoff of the Daniel plan. In fact, if you've got your handouts with you, inside each one of your handouts this morning is an insert that would uh, lead in some of the discussion today about the Daniel plan and God's overall view of our bodies. In fact, I've titled this today, God and My Bod. <laughs> God and My Bod, okay? And maybe that's good because you're not going to have a lot of visuals today. It's all going to be auditory, okay? So you got to kind of follow along with me if you would. You know, um, when we're talking about the Daniel plan, I, I, I want you to remember this is not a diet plan. It, it, what we're talking about here is a spiritual health encouragement, spiritual and physical health encouragement. If I was to ask you today, what would you need to do to get more healthy? I bet everybody in the room could come up with a list of several things. Probably everybody would say, well, I need to eat healthy things and not too many of them, okay? I need to get my body moving and keep it moving, do some exercise, right? And you'd probably all say, well, I got to deal with stress and get some good rest. At least those three things would probably emerge on everybody's radar. To get healthy, what's your intake, what's your outgo, and what's your relaxation, right? It's not rocket science, so we are not going to talk to you that much, especially today, about what to do, about those three things, okay? You know those things. The question is, why have we not been doing those things, right? The question isn't, do we know it? Oh, Pastor Bruce is going to tell me something I've never heard before. No, <laughs> not about those things, okay? What I want to deal with today what I hope you get out of today has nothing to do with the, the how, but we're over here on this side, the why, okay? What is the motivation for eating well, resting well, and exercise, and fit fitness? What's the motivation for that, okay? That's all of what we're talking about today. God and my body, because my conviction from the scriptures is that our relationship with God is essential for doing those things with the right, for the right motivation, okay? My relationship with God and my relationship with my bod, my body, are intricately joined. And I want you to hear that through the scriptures today. In fact, let's dive in to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll just read the passage and then we'll tear it apart a little bit because I think there's some treasures in this passage that will help us in the why, the why portion. So I'm starting with verse 12 of chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. Follow along if you wish or just listen. We don't have it up on the screen like we normally do. Here's how the Apostle Paul starts this off. And he's talking about sex. He's talking about physical bodies, but it, it ties in with what we're talking about today. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. 
I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. <laughs> Let me read that one more time. The body is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and He will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them to a prostitute? Never! Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two shall become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. <clears throat> thank you for encouraging us about uh, our physical being, about our health, about our lives before you on this earth. Lord, we're praying that you would bring to mind out of this scripture uh, encouraging words for each one of us today. Show us what you have for us, Lord. Open our eyes, unblind our eyes. Help us to seek you with, with our heart through this passage today. Enliven it for us, Lord, because we pray this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let's tear that verse apart a little bit, that passage, because there's some really good nuggets in there. The first one comes down to this. Jot this down if you've got it, your hand out and you can see it <laughs> this morning. If, if there's enough light to, to write, feel free to jot this down. And it is this. Our bodies are to be managed. God gave us our bodies to be managed. We are called to be stewards that's the old-fashioned word. That's the word Ryan was talking about when, he, when it comes to finances. We are called to be managers or stewards of the body. Here's the verse. He says, everything is permissible for me, but, it's a big, big word there, but not everything is beneficial. I mean, if our society and our culture could just get that, this is totally counterculture. <laughs> We tend to think if something is permissible, it's good. Not so. Not so. According to this verse, everything that can be permissible cannot necessarily be good. I mean, someone can say, hey, the drinking age is 21. It's legal. And they go and end up with a DUI. You go, what? That part's not legal, right? No. It, 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 just because it's legal doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> Am I speaking to anybody here? 
Has our society believed that? Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's good. We could talk about marijuana. I mean, it's legal now. <laughs> Must be good. Society says it's good. Just because it's legal doesn't make it good. Apply that to food. <laughs> it's all legal. In fact, in the Christian church, in the body of Christ, probably the, the sin that's talked about the least is gluttony. I mean, we give each other tons of permission to overeat. And we, and we address other sins, but we don't want to address that one, you know, right? Just because it's permissible does not make it good. In fact, what's the rest of the verse say? Just because it's permissible does not mean it's beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I mean, that's, that's the Apostle Paul's bottom line is, don't let external things control you. When something is controlling you, get away from it. Nothing was meant to control. That, that deals with food. You know, cinnamon rolls? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. You know, we can start going through the list, can't we? If your cravings are controlling you, do not be mastered by those. Let God free you from those. And God will actually create within you a hunger and a craving for healthy things. I've seen it happen. I've seen it work. I've seen God do it. I was just a teenager, but all my peers were um, getting hooked on cigarettes, getting hooked on smoking, which, by the way, is a growing epidemic among our teens today. Amazing. <laughs> With all we know about cigarettes, <laughs> that it's a growing ep epidemic. But I remember one day looking down at a cigarette and, and thinking of my uncles and my relatives and different people who were so addicted to cigarettes. And I remember looking at that cigarette and going, I do not want this little stick to master me. And I remember shredding that baby, tossing it away. And for some reason, I wish I would have done that with lots of other things, okay? But as far as that goes, never was tempted beyond that. It said, I'm not going to let a little stick control me. <laughs> you know, what if we said that to each other on a regular, and what if we said that to God? God, I don't want anything to control me. I want you to control me. See, we are given our bodies to be managed. God's given us our bodies to be managed. He says, food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy, the, destroy them both. They're both going to be, they're both temporary. They're both going to be gone. Our stomachs and the food that goes in them are temporary measures. So don't put an overvalue on those. Instead, put a value on this stewardship. I just see, we as believers believe there's going to be a day when God asks us some questions. We believe there's going to be a time to be, be judged. We believe there's going to be a time when we're going to be held accountable. I think God's going to wonder, Pastor Bruce, what did you do with the time I gave you? I gave you months, years, decades. What did you do with the time I gave you? I think we're all going to be responsible and God's going to ask us, what did you do with the resources I poured in your lap? How did, it, how did you extend those to others? I think God's going to, going to ask us to be accountable for our relationships. How did you foster those relationships? 
And I think God's going to look at me and he's going to look at you and he's going to say, what would you do with the body that I encased your spirit in? How, how did you steward that portion of your life that's your physical life? That's just as important as my time, my energy, my relationships, my finances. It's a portion of my relationship with God that I steward everything he is. See, I can't blame somebody else. I mean, when I'm a real little kid, maybe I can blame my mom. Oh, she just gave me too many French fries, you know. But there's a point where you got you to gotta say, no, 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 I'm responsible from now on. <laughs> you know, I, I can't blame my mom any longer. I'm, I'm 60 years old, okay? Yeah? I'm responsible. I mean, what if we just said that? I'm not going to be mastered by anything. I'm responsible for what God has given me and what I do with what God has given me. Look at this verse. It's from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer, what's he say? Your bodies. He doesn't say offer your soul. He doesn't say offer your spirit. You know what he says? He says, offer your body as a living sacrifice before me. I mean, he's interested in the spirit that's inside my body. He's interested in my heart and my soul. But you know what? He's interested in the encasing the sin. He says, offer your spirit as a living sacrifice. You know, sometimes people will say, Pastor Bruce, I'm not going to make it to church, but I'm with you in spirit. I'm like, what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. You're not coming, right? I mean, we can't worship with you in spirit. You know, I know what they mean, and it's a good gesture. But in essence, what's God do? He brings us together to, 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 to gather as a group, to, to love one another. It takes our bodies. We can't have an out-of-body experience to love someone across the, 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 the world. He calls us to use our bodies to love. Want to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Look at this. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, sometimes we get this idea, the band's up here, we're praising God, we're worshiping Him. And that's good. This is a corporate worship. But folks, dealing with your body is just as much, dealing with the physical presence God's given, just as much an act of worship as what we do on Sunday morning. Maybe even more so. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, if we start seeing ourselves in that lane, that changes the exercise we do, the food we eat, and the rest we get. It changes what we do because of why we're doing it. We're now doing it as an act of worship. You see, our um, intake of food, it's not just intake of food, it's worship. Are you catching that? Our fitness and our exercise, for me, it's, it's some silly little things. I try to do a certain number of steps per day. Have anybody gotten into steps? Okay, okay. Yeah, 10,000 steps a day. It's five miles a day. I try not to go to bed until I get this 10,000 steps in. And you know what? <laughs> that's just the bottom line of an active lifestyle. I mean, that's not a real active lifestyle. That's like the, the starting point of an active lifestyle. <laughs> Is 10,000 steps. 
My 10,000 steps, I mean, I might be taking it really, but I'm trying to do it as an act of worship. Are you catching that? It's your spiritual service of worship. God calls us to that. I know I've taken way too long of that. Number two, our bodies are not just to be managed. Our bodies are God's property. Our bodies are God's property. He is the creator. He made us. Guess what? The creator owns us. Okay? (laughs) Now, this is so counter to our culture. What's our culture say? Our culture says, hey, it's your own thing. Do what you want to do. You know, right? Right? Do what you want to do. Huh? Your body, your choice. It's your body, it's your choice. Keep your hands off my body. My body. No, this is God's (laughs) body. God owns your bod. (laughs) Repeat that after me. God owns your bod. Let's change the your so it's personal. God owns my bod. Okay? (laughs) Now some of you are going, God, you can have it because I'm 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 sick of it, you know. (laughs) Give it back. (laughs) He keeps giving it back to me. Well, that's the point. He keeps giving it back to you to to steward and to deal with, but it is His. And if we have that viewpoint, if we have that mindset, if we have that heart about it, it changes our diet, our exercise, and our rest. Because it's not about us. It's Him. That's where this act of worship comes in. It's His body. In fact, here's what He said. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. It's the Lord's body. Now, of course, it's easy to talk about it when it's sexuality. What if we're talking about it when it comes to foodaholism? (laughs) Or any ism, any aholism. It's God's body, and it's His property. So we, instead of getting with this, the world's message, want to go with God's message. He owns it all. See, there was this time in history when the Greek philosophers lived, Socrates and Aristotle and Plato, and they had this dualism where the spirit and the body were separated. There was this big dual, and spirit was good, body was bad. Body was sinful, body was shunned, spirit was good, okay? Dualism is non-biblical. The Greek way of thinking is not God's way of thinking. God brings heart, mind, soul, body, and spirit together, and he says, you're a whole person. You're not a divided person, you know? It's not that your body's bad and your heart is good. It's not that your body's bad and your spirit's good. He says, I'm putting you together as a whole person, and you are, if you dedicate yourself to me, you're you're sinful, but you're redeemed. You're mine. I love you. I honor you, and I want you to honor me with your body. That dualism that is, is fake does not go with this idea that God owns your bod. (laughs) Number three, our bodies, they're not just owned by God, but our bodies are going to be resurrected. Our bodies are destined to be raised. So here's a way to look at it. (laughs) You know how some software gives out version 1.0 and then version 2.0? 
Okay, so, some people would maybe use that for your bodily focus, okay? The body that you're in now is version 1.0, okay? Jesus was once, through the incarnation, in version 1.0, okay? His physical body was here on earth. We can learn a lot from how he cared for and dealt with his body. But then he hung on the cross. Then he died. They took his body, they took his 1.0 body, buried it in a tomb, wrapped it in some um, spices, laid it in the tomb. On the third day, what did God do? Raised him from the dead. <laughs> now his 2.0 body, after the resurrection, his 2.0 body, people can recognize it. They could see him and recognize him. He could say to Thomas, go ahead and place your hand in the nail prints in my hand and my side. I mean, there was recognition. My Lord and my God, he said, as he bowed down to him. I mean, there was recognition, but at the same time, it seems that he just appeared. He was not bound by all the physical things that bind us. That's 1.0. He was over here in 2.0. Now, we don't know a lot about the 2.0 for us. But I think we get hints by how Jesus' resurrected body was and go, wow, according to this verse, he raised Jesus from the dead, and guess what, folks? He's going to raise us from the dead. That's the power of the resurrection. He's called the first fruits of the resurrection. <laughs> you know, we get the opportunity to have a 2.0 body. So what are you doing with 1.0 getting ready for 2.0? You follow me? If, if 2.0 is recognizable, what are people going to recognize? Am I speaking anyone's language here? You know, God's calling on us to remember it's a resurrection. Just as God's power raised the Lord from the dead, He will raise us also. Let me talk about uh, some mistakes we make. I mentioned that earlier. What do we often use as our motivation? In fact, that's the first mistake we make. We rely on our own willpower. Jot that down if you have a note there. Uh, why don't we follow through with our New Year's resolutions? Okay, today's the 6th of January. According to most experts, most uh, resolutions have already been broken. Okay. I'm not going to eat a certain thing. I'm going to do a certain workout. I mean, you know, it's, it's the sixth, so it's over. It's over. And if you rely on your own willpower, I want to tell you, you'll probably not make it. Okay? Willpower is important, but what's more important is God's power. God's power. To, so, so, so we're not looking at this as a diet program or even an eating system or a workout or even a fitness plan. We're looking at it as a relational focus with God at the center. We're letting His power overcome our lack of willpower. You following that? That's the plan. Instead of willpower, it's God's power. Because uh, willpower usually only lasts a couple of days or weeks or at the most months. What we're looking at here is a lifestyle change, a change that goes for the long haul. So that's number one mistake. We rely on our own 
willpower. The second one is like it, but we have the wrong motives. We do it because of the wrong motives. What are some motives people might have for getting physically fit? Well, hey, every spring where the commercials come out and they show all these women in bikinis and you've got to get yourself in shape so you will look good, right? Look good in a bikini, right? Or guys, (laughs) we lost it already, right? Yeah, yeah. Many of us have said long ago, that's no longer a motivation to look good. It's a, it's a, it's a non-issue. But for many, that's the issue. Well, I want to look good. And is it bad to want to look good? Not, but it's not the best motivation. If looking good is your, is your bottom line motivation, it's going to fail you. Because all of us are destined to not look so good. <laughs> the body is wearing out. Okay, don't do things just to look. Well, what about, maybe my motivation would be to feel good, to have energy. Well, that's a good thing, right? If your only motivation is to have energy, that's going to leave you in the dust too. Well, I want to live a long life. My motivation is I want to be 150. Someone goes, ooh. <laughs> You know, I want to live a long life. Is that a bad thing? No, it's not bad to want to have longevity. But don't you see the, according to this passage, the futility of that? Yeah, our bodies are all headed the same direction. And it's not better. It's actually downhill, right? Yeah, the stomach, food, our lives. So, What is the right motivation? I mentioned earlier, the right motivation is our relationship with God, His ownership of us, His purchase of who we are and what we're about, and that we want to feel good and have energy to accomplish His will. See, that's the second part of that that we so often miss. We want to live a long life so that we can do all that He's called us to do. You see, He's in the equation on every one of those. Looking good, so I can influence people toward Him. Having energy, so that I can use that energy in ministry. Having longevity, not just for years' sake, but so that I can live out all the days He's called me to live and honor Him in that legacy. You seeing that? That's the call of this verse. That's the call of our bodies and and our being called to have that right motivation. I am a steward of God's great gift um, last one, last reason we fail. We try to go it alone. We try to do it our own on our, on, for ourselves. If you try to do it by yourself, chances are you will fail. What we're about as a church, why we've got this small group material, is we believe that you in a group, you're better together that your chances of succeeding go up exponentially when you connect with each other. Um, did, I, did I show you these cards? We made up some, some cards. It just says, Daniel Plan, Buddy System, Weight Loss Tracking Card. And it's got 10 weeks across here. If you don't have one, grab one. 
It's got a place for you to put your starting weight. It has a place for you to put down your weekly weigh-in. Some instructions on the bottom. <laughs> and it has a place for another accountability partner. Now, it can be a family member. <laughs> Don't get real nervous. It can be a, a church brother or sister. It can be, I mean, it really doesn't matter to us who the other person, as long as they're a, 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 an accountability person for you. You're like, I don't wait for anybody else, okay? Well, we want you to, but you know why? This is the belief. Doing it alone will lead to failure. Doing it together will lead to success, okay? And so as we try to track ourselves, we want people involved along the way. If you've got a spouse, that's perfect. Because spouses can really influence each other. How many of you know that what food comes into the household <laughs> often affects both partners? Uh-huh, uh-huh, you're hearing me there, right? Okay. Um, so we don't want to go it alone. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that every person in the room today gets into a small group. Don't try to do it alone. There's a group meeting tonight. There's a group meeting Monday night. There's a group meeting Tuesday night at Dottie's house. There's a group on Thursday night. There's two groups on Friday. There's wherever you're at on the counter. And if there's not a group for you, I promise I'll help you get one started. <laughs> Remember I told you I bought too many DVDs? <laughs> Maybe that was God helping me out here, okay? There is no reason everybody here for the next six weeks can't be in a connection face-to-face, heart-to-heart with a couple other people encouraging them in this process of health. Don't try to do it alone. That will lead to failure. God's called us to succeed and to have great success in that. Well, now I'm preaching, right? <laughs> our bodies are moving on. Number four, our bodies are connected to the body of Christ. Now, this is a concept our culture does not get. When it says, you are not your own, you're each other's, is kind of what it's getting at. You're part of the body of Christ. And you represent, for good or for bad, what people think of when they think of Jesus. You're the only hands, you've heard this before, you're the only feet, you're the only face some people are going to see when it comes to Jesus. Well, is that an awesome responsibility, huh? Yeah, when they look at you, do they see Jesus? And I'm not talking about physically alone. But I think physical aspects of our life can influence how we come across. Look what it says. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Whoa. Can I read that again? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? We as the body of Christ. We as the church family. We, as, we are representatives. We're members of Christ. Is that a huge, awesome, encouraging responsibility? Of course, he says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins are outside of man's body, but a man who sins sexually sins against his own body. Now, there's a myth in Christendom that all sin is sin. I guess that part's true. But all sin doesn't affect us the same. According to this verse, when it's a bodily-focused sin, sexuality, and most of us would put body image and weight in that category, 
It deals with our psyche that's connected to our body. Here he's dealing with sexuality. He says, when you enter into uh, an adulterous relationship with your body, that's different than a, a sin that's outside of your body because you're entering into it with your body. Sexual sin, we would say physical body sin, has a different effect on us. It's not different when it comes to God. He sees sin, all sin the same. But it's different when it comes to us. Are you following him on that? It makes a big difference, and it makes a difference to the world, to those that are observing. We are the physical presence of Jesus. Our bods, in a way, become his bod, his body. Number five, our bodies are a home for the Holy Spirit. Our bodies become a home for God's Spirit. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, wouldn't it be neat, neat if he just said, don't you know that your spirit or your heart is the temple of the Holy Spirit? What does he say, though? Your body. Why does he do that? Is he messing with us? No, he's dead serious. Because you can't have a body. You can't have a spirit without a body on this planet. They're together. So he says, your body is designed to be a, a house, a temple for the Holy Spirit and for the Spirit's, Spirit's lead. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have received from God? Now, if you were out here on the, on the street and you were looking at a church building and you saw somebody throwing rocks at the windows, knocking them out, and spray painting it, and defaming it, and defacing it. You'd go, get out of there. What are you guys doing? You would want to protect maybe that place of worship. Or if you drove by the synagogue down here, and somebody was just lighting it on fire, you'd chase them away. So often, we're defaming, defacing the temple of God, the body that we are. And we're not chasing anybody away, including ourselves. God's calling on us to view ourselves as part of God's spiritual house. See, God built the tabernacle and dwelt in the tabernacle. When he built the temple, he built the holy of holies and the most holy place. And it was a visual place where the priests and the whole nation could envision God dwelling. But when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus' life was ebbing out of him, the minute that he died, the Bible says, that veil in the temple that separated one portion of the temple from another, from this holy of holies, it ripped from top to bottom, and that opportunity was there for all people to have access. At that moment, this verse became a reality. Our spirits, as well as our bodies, then become the house of Okay. You and I are called to be God's holy place. We're designed to be just that. Now, I don't want to make anybody sick this morning, but I brought a visual aid with me. I went to the butcher yesterday and I asked him to give me 10 pounds of fat. Oh disgusting. And, and I did it just merely for 
the visual, but it, it, for me, it, it works more than just a visual because it's like, these are there's five pounds a piece. This is like, there's a lot of weight there. Ten pounds of fat, that's a lot of fat. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I say, so what, I gained ten pounds. Big deal. <laughs> it's like, so, so at, my, at, my, at the start of some conditioning I started doing, I was 333 pounds. I'm now 50 pounds lighter than that. Okay? It's been about three years. Five of these things have come off of me. Okay? Wow. And when I go like this, I go, no wonder I feel better. No wonder I have more energy. <laughs> I mean, the last three years, I've summited uh, Mount St. Helens. Just a little, little fun trek I've done. The first year, oh my gosh. The next year, lighter. It's easier going. Last year, oh, it was actually fun. You know, something happens. And so what I'm encouraging, I think everybody in our congregation, maybe not everybody, but I'd say 90% of us could probably set a goal and say, I'd like to lose 10 pounds in 10 weeks. That's a pound a week, you know? What if we took that much? Think of how much better we'd feel, even though that's not the only motivation. It is a motivation. Think how much better we could be used by God in our lives. Because our, our whole teaching here is, this, my body is a home for God's spirit, and I want that house, I want that temple not to be run down and out of shape. I want it to be as in good a shape as possible to be used by Him for ministry, to love people to Him, to be a face for God and the place, and to let others know Him through that. How about you? I mean, that's what this card is about. It's to set a goal, set a, a, a heartfelt goal and say, what's God going to do just by taking a focus just by planning and putting his, his plan ahead of my plan. Should I cover it up again? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> what if we sensed God's home for his spirit and said, Lord, my desire is for you to inhabit my body and for my body to be in as good a shape as possible. Number six, last one, last radical idea out of this verse is that our bodies are purchased by Jesus. So I said earlier, our body belongs to God because he's the creator. But you know what I'm dealing with now, right? Our body belongs to Jesus because he's the redeemer. Creator, yes, he owns me. Redeemer, yes, he bought me. You were bought. I mean, let's look at the verse. Just look at the verse. You are not your own. Boy, that counterculture or what? Is that counterculture or what? You are not your own. <laughs> Repeat that with me. You are not your own. One more time. You are not your own. <laughs> What's the rest of it? You were bought at a price. Therefore, since you were bought with the price... Therefore, honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. Christ bought my bod and yours as well. Okay? His body on the cross bought my body not on the cross. Are you catching that? How much are you worth? Jesus stretches out his arms. You've heard this before. And he says, I love you this 
much. And he dies on the cross for you and for me, for us. Therefore, he says, glorify God or honor God with your body, with every fiber you have. You know, if you owned a million-dollar racehorse, he was in the stable, you think he'd feed that horse um, junk food? I mean, you'd be pretty particular with that million-dollar stallion, what you put into it. You know, you're worth way, way more than a million dollars. You know that, right? What if we were as careful about what goes in us <laughs> as we would be with the million-dollar racehorse? You know, God's calling us to note we're purchased and valuable by Him. He bought us. You know, this is the, f the last three years is the first time in four decades that life expectancy is going down for Americans. Life expectancy is going down. And they're trying to figure out why. For four decades, life expectancy has been going up. Longevity. Now, for three years, it's come down. They say two things. The first one is the opioid epi epidemic and overdoses. It's killing. It's killing generation of kids. The second thing, even more distressing, suicides. Suicides are up 400% just this year. I mean, what is causing our teens, our young people, our college-age kids to check out at record rates? We are giving them ho hopelessness, doses and doses of meaninglessness. We're not, and this is where the church can really rise up and say, do you know you're purchased by God? Do you know you're loved by Him? Do you have any clue? Yeah. Yeah, God's calling us not to just the longevity, but he's calling us to our, 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 our peers. He's calling us to our generation to say he's wanting us to have a sense of his part in our lives, that he bought us. Well, let me just list these last three things really quickly. Spiritual issues that affect your health. First of all, trusting in Jesus affects your health. Trusting in Jesus will cause you to have the best health available. I said to myself, relax, because the Lord takes care of you. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So often it's not what you're eating, but it's what's eating you. Okay? Instead of praying, too often we're pouting. Instead of worshiping, too often we're worrying. Instead of being better, we're getting bitter. And those will eat us from the inside out. So trusting God is good for your health. Listen to this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with the first part of your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. The second thing that will cause health in you, trusting Christ will bring health to you, confessing your sin. Confessing your sin. You heard me confess the uh, mix-up on the sale this morning, right? 
Confessing your sin literally boosts your, your health. <laughs> I mean, you can't live a, a, a guilty and shameful life at the same time as living a joyous, free life. God calls on us to confess. Here's what David said. When I held my sin in, my, my bones wasted away. He had, he had some, a period of time, maybe years, where he was keeping his sin quiet. And he was wasting away. But then he opened up to God. He confessed his sin and he said, health returned. Health returned. And so for many of us, here's what it says. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable and I groaned all day long. My strength evaporated. Finally, I confessed all my sins and stopped trying to hide them. And you forgave me. All my guilt was gone. There are physical benefits to the confessing of our sins. Third one, jot this down, giving generously. Giving generously is good for your health. Proverbs 11:25, a generous man will prosper, but he who refreshes and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. It's not a coincidence that miser and miserable come from the same root word. Okay? God calls us to be generous. Why? Because it reflects his character. He's generous and he wants us to be like him. The more generous you are, the more healthy you're going to be, according to this verse, these verses. Number four, this is my favorite, having fun is good for your health. Having fun. That's one of my favorite questions. Are we having fun yet? You know, the body of Christ, your small group, we ought to be having a blast together, you know? Life is too short to be uh, miserable, you know? Let's make it fun because, I mean, here, here, here's, how, here's how it goes in the verse. A cheerful heart is good medicine, and a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I'll just close with this. There were these three guys and Daniel who were taken captive in Syria, the Persian uh, Empire had taken Israelites all captive. And as they brought these four gentlemen into the king's court, they were trying to train them up to be leaders for this pagan king. And one of the privileges that went with that was they were supposed to eat at the king's table. And the Bible says they were supposed to eat the king's rich food and drink his wine. And Daniel and his buddies said, you know, we'd really rather go a different direction. We'd really rather eat God's designed food for us. He said, we're going to eat vegetables. We're going to drink water. We're going a different direction. We're not going with the culture. We're not going with your plan. We want to go with God's plan. And the guy said, well, I'm going to be judged by how healthy you are. So you're going off on some other God-shaped diet. I'm not sure it's going to work. Well, Daniel said, just give us a try. Just give it a try. And he convinced him to let him try. And he said, at the end of our experiment, if we're not healthier than the guys who are eating all this uh, rich food from the king, then we'll do what you want. At the end of the time, here's what it says. Then you can decide whether or not to let us continue eating our diet. At the end of the days, not only did they look healthier, but they were better nourished than the young men who'd been eating the king's rich food. That's where the title comes from for the Daniel plan. 
we're saying we're not going to go with what the culture says. We're not just going to eat the, the rich foods that can be the permissible. We're going to go with God's best. God's best for us. The Daniel plan. In John chapter 5, there was a man who came up to Jesus who'd been sick for 38 years. And Jesus, he, he needed, wanted healing. Jesus looked at him and he said, do you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? And that might seem like a stupid question, but I think that's a good question. The availability, the potential is there for all of us to answer that question. Do you really want to get well? Relying on Him. Let's stand and pray as we close. Gracious Father, thank you for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you, to love on you, to hear from you. Lord, our prayer today is that as we look forward to this series, that it wouldn't just be a, a, emotions that we go through, it wouldn't just be steps that we take, but Lord, you would orchestrate and ordain and establish us in, the, in a very solid and healthy lifestyle. It's your desire to be using us, to be shining through us, would be fulfilled as we head through this, this time. Thank you for each person's resolve, but more than that, thank you for your resolve and for loving us like you do. As we turn to you, let nothing obstruct us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.